Well, you guys have seen some of the beach balls uh, floating around, and no, I know you're thinking like, oh, finally, Wellspring did it. We're going to be in a Bieber concert, and we're all believers now. Like, no, 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 hold your horses. Uh, if you have a beach ball, come up uh, to the front of the stage and just stand in front of the stage. Get close like you know each other and you like each other. And uh, uh, before, as they're doing that awkwardly, uh, let me pray to start this experience. Father, uh, as we dig into your word, Father, as we just prayed and uh, as we just sang, I should say, Father, as we declared in song our love for you, um, how much we love that you are wild about us. Father, I do thank you that we can sing that truth, that you truly are wild about us. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, as we go into this, 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 this sermon, Father, would you, Holy Spirit, speak? Would you, Holy Spirit, do what you need to do? Father, as we go into this week, uh, commonly referred to as Holy Week, Father, both in Tom's River and Ocean County, Father, there are uh, worship teams and pastors and volunteers that will, will go above and beyond this week to serve the local church. Father, I pray for the pastors and for the volunteers and the worship teams, Father, all over this country, but specifically in Ocean County and Tom's River. Father, would you help us not to lose sight of a resurrected Savior? Father, may that never be something that becomes habit in motions, Father, would you speak to those serving your church this week as we serve our community through Easter? Um, we love that we get to celebrate, Father, you, a risen Savior. In your name, amen. Uh, on, uh, on Tuesday, I, uh, I woke up, and uh, in that Go Deeper guide that we have, these things, doing devotions and whatnot, uh, uh, Tuesday, we were looking at uh, Exodus chap chapter 20, uh, and the verse is going to be up on the screen, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. And uh, I sat there, and uh, it, it didn't quite wreck me, I'll get to that at the end of the sermon, but I was like, I was thinking through some stuff, and as I was thinking through that verse, I was wondering why God didn't say, uh, you should have no other gods. Why did he say before me, and there were some things with like their pagan worship and, and whatnot in the other countries, that were, the nations that were surrounded them, but it, it really hit me that there are probably things that if it was on like the timeline or like whatever the line would be, that if God should be here, that this is where his place should be. Everything else should fall in place behind God. Nothing, if, if, the time, if this is God, then, then this is idol worship because there are things before God. Everything that is on this stage right now, we got money, power positions, sports and hobbies, uh, marriage, family, friendship, influence, work, and possessions. None of those things are wrong. Not a single one of them. Like those are all things that can go evil places or they can go good places in and of themselves. None of those things are wrong. Here's where, here, let's switch this. Here, here's where they can, they can go wrong. God's there and my friendships are up here. This is where friendships are everything. And if friendships are everything, then, then you know what? My hobbies are getting in the way, my power, my money, all those things get in the way. This uh, becomes, uh, oh, I'm sure, sorry, all of these things become life-sucking when this is at the front. Let's, let's switch it up. Let's, let's, uh, let's go influence. Okay, boom, there you go. This is, you know, this, if this is at the top, then I, I, I want to be a person. I, when it's at the top, uh, then, then I want to be an influencer. You ever see those social media influencers? <laughs> I want to be an influencer. Okay, great, wonderful. So that's your God. And then money, power, position, sports, hobbies, marriage. I'm always filming my kids. I'm always like all, like all of a sudden, the desire to be this and have this at the top doesn't it become life sucking. 
If any one of these things short of God is at the top, it becomes life-sucking. It doesn't become life-giving. Let's switch it back, okay? And uh, what I was hit with when I was looking at that verse was that I think, I think this ball is up here in my own life. But sadly, I'm delusional. I'm delusional because oftentimes it's here. As I thought about this timeline, all these things that in and of themselves aren't bad, they can go good places, they can go bad places. What I started to see was if this is the funnel of which I then look through the lens, the funnel that I look through all of these areas, don't these areas become life-giving? When I had, this is my funnel with my money, my power, my positions, my family, my kids, my, my marriage, my hobbies, my sports, any, all of these things. There's a way in which we funnel it through our relationship with God that God brings life to all of these areas. You guys have to hang out for one more second. Look at the statement that we've been making about idols. This is our second week of this series. Christian idolatry is when we know God said to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, but live as if he said some. We live as if, you know what, there's 10 balls up here. I'll give God a tenth of my being. And that is okay because a tenth, if we look at the world, like that's better than most people, right? <laughs> so we'll, we'll give him that and we think it's okay. But, but we're going to look at today, like, I don't, uh, like we're going to look at this and we're gonna, we're, you're going to see people not maybe like battling with their relationship with God and that's fine. I'm glad you're here. Wonderful. Awesome. I hope you see that we as Christians are going to take giving God everything very, very seriously. This is, if, you, if you're still on the fence about God, this conversation is not for you. Please, be, please observe it and please see that we do take this seriously and that because we think Jesus is so good and he's worth taking seriously. Uh, what I want us to see today is that there are people that believe that Jesus is worth everything and we need to recalibrate sometimes. That we know that Jesus is, is worth all of our lives and that for some of us, we don't believe that. And if, Jesus, if we don't believe Jesus is worth all of our lives and he's, he goes down, down, the, down the way, we want to say that today... We don't want to be fixated on the ball that's in the middle. We want to get in what we lose by influence and family and all that God might take from us. We want to get lost in all that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. And all of these areas will work out. Hang out here for one more second. Let me read this, this scripture. We're going to look at a, a passage that uh, when, Bible, when the Bible kind of titles things, not the Bible itself, but like American or people uh, title things in the Bible, they call this the rich young ruler. Uh, here's what they said. Uh, and behold, a man came up to him saying, uh, teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And then Jesus kind of gives this checklist. Well, well, you shall not murder, murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Uh, honor your father and your mother. And, and, love, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This young man full of pride is like, I've kept all these things. So Jesus, I don't know if you understand this, but someone before you isn't lacking in a single area. I'm kind of a big deal. Jesus, did you know that? Uh, what, do I, what do I lack? And Jesus answers, well, if you want to be perfect, you just said you love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, go, sell everything. Sell all your possessions and give to the poor, your neighbor. And you will have treasure in heaven. If only he understood the good that came from this. You will have treasure in heaven. The sacrifice will be rewarded. And, and come, follow me. And the young man heard this and he went away, what? Sorrowful. For he had great possessions. He, he came into a conversation with Jesus 
thinking that down the line, like he had God here and everything fell into place. And Jesus quickly points out, no, your ball's kind of right here. And you, like all of humanity, have something to work on. You guys can drop the ball down the ground and you guys can go have a seat. Thank you so much for awkwardly uh, being on YouTube. Uh, you can share that with all of your friends uh, and, uh, and whatnot. My pastor made me do that. All right. Uh, anyways, I digress. So this rich young ruler comes to Jesus uh, thinking that he's a righteous person thinking that he has it going on in his own mind. He's coming in already thinking he's deserving of heaven. Have you ever talked to somebody and maybe use that age-old question of, hey, do you know where you're going when you die? Or why would you deserve heaven? And all of a sudden they answer this question with, well, I'm a good person. And they list all the things that would make them a good person. That argument only works when this is the comparable when I'm comparing myself to other people. But this guy doesn't really understand that who stands before him is Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is pretty high up on the goodness scale. <laughs> Jesus is perfectly righteous. And if we're going to measure ourselves against anyone about how our good works line up... <laughs> We're measuring ourselves in comparison to God's perfect holiness. This guy, he must be, I, I, don't, if, I don't know, I, they did not do Enneagram tests uh, back in the day. Uh, but I'm pretty confident that uh, if he had an Enneagram number, if you guys know those personality tests, that this dude is an Enneagram 3. Uh, I wildly relate to this guy. Uh, and I can't judge him because he comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, <laughs> I've been winning at life. <laughs> How do I really win at life? <laughs> what does winning look like? I don't like I like, I want to know how to win the game. <laughs> So Jesus, uh, you know, could have put him on blast, but just is like, okay, I'll meet you in this. And he and he and he lists commandment, commandment, commandment. Thou shall not. Thou shall not. Or or you should honor. And and this man, like, you have to, like in his mind, he's like check. Check, check, Jesus, I'm nailing it. And he looks at this list as a means of self-justification. It's a checklist that's boosting his pride. Jesus, where do I lack? In the modern church, he's saying, well, Jesus, I read my Bible pretty often. Jesus, I give from time to time. Jesus, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know who stands before you, but I even serve in the local church. Jesus, I don't know if you know who stands before you, but, but Jesus, I even use my talents sometimes for the church. I bet you this guy is so religious and, and thinks that he kept the law so well that I bet you he even gave God his first fruits, and he, first fruits 10% of his income to God. I bet you he, he's looking at this and, and, and God and Jesus is, is, could have gone for the jugular or he does go for the jugular. He could have said like, well, you haven't done this. Well, have you murdered in your heart or you haven't stolen, but are you stealing from God? Or he, he could have looked at all these things, but he goes right for the jugular. This man's source of pride. You think you're good in all of these areas. You said you love your, your neighbor. You have such self-confidence in all of your wealth. Then leave your wealth and cling to the one who has perfectly kept the law. Get rid of your riches and go give them to the poor. Jesus set the bar so high that he could not 
No, he would not even try to achieve it. The bar was so high, and he could have achieved it simply by embracing Jesus. But he didn't. He walked away in grief. He didn't choose actionable faith that would demonstrate his faith in the person behind him. Instead, he walks away. One of the things that we do in our human nature is is righteousness is doing something good. That is a definition of righteousness, but in our own humanity, we have reduced uh, uh, righteousness to simply not doing something wrong. (laughs) That, you know what, I watch TV and there is an axe murder, that's always the example, I don't, I, whatever, or there is a shooting or there was this, and we look at it and we say, I've not done those bad things, so it's holiness by subtraction. I must be, you know, I'm not Putin right now. (laughs) So I must be pretty righteous and good. But why does this man walk away in shame? He's not walking away in shame for something he did. He's walking away in shame for something he was unwilling to do. He was unwilling to use what he had before him for good. He gave it all up. What possessions like would you give up Think about this. Jesus said, follow me. The exact same things he said to the other disciples. What would you give up to walk on water with Jesus? <laughs> what would you give up to see Jesus take some, some um, carbs, bread, uh, and fish and make it rain all over the countryside? What would you give up to experience a dead savior that walks up out of the grave like a boss? What would you give up to simply have a day going fishing with Jesus? And we look at this guy and we're like, you're such an idiot, what could you have experienced? And we say those things, like if you're in a life group or you're hanging out with Christian friends, sometimes you'll be like, what, oh man, like I can't, I would give up everything if I could just walk with Jesus on this earth. Here's a man that answered that question. Here's a man that said, here's here's the limit to what I'm willing to give up to literally walk with Jesus. We, uh, we have a thing, uh, we, we don't have membership here at church. Many churches, many churches do. We have that concept, but we call it partnership, uh, that we are in partnership together as a church. Membership just sounds a little too country club for us, that we're in this together. And, uh, and so it's my joy sometimes, uh, is oftentimes, to get to talk to a lot of our partners. Uh, and, and a year and a half ago or so, uh, one of our partners was struggling in just a few different areas of life and just needed a conversation. So we went uh, and got some coffee. Uh, There was a a financial aspect to the conversation. There was also a a marital aspect, not in so much that there was marital issues, but just like, hey, me and my husband, sometimes we're not on the same page uh, uh, biblically on how we're spending money and things like that. Can anybody else relate to that? And so there was, we were talking through those things. And uh, as we were talking, it was like, man, like you and your, you and your spouse just really need to have a conversation about finances and, and get on the same page. And so the conversation as a partner, right, if we wanted to be letter of the law, hey, you're a partner, you signed up to give 10%. So I'm going to go into this conversation and make sure that we get 10% from you. <laughs> no, that would make me a jerk. <laughs> uh, no, instead we gave this person money to say, go get dinner and talk to your spouse and just have a conversation about finances. And one of the things I, I was thinking about as I, I, as I thought through this, I, I encouraged this person to, to look at their finances and, and look at, do my finances 
communicate, I worship Jesus. That's the end-all be-all at some point when you think about our heart being given over to these different areas. And what I, what I was thinking about this this week, that my, my job as a pastor is not to get everybody in this room to give 10%. Can you imagine if our entire church gave 10% of their income? I'll speak personally. I could write books. I would make a lot of money off of books if our church gave 10% completely. They would, invite, they would pay me to consult other people. They would invite me to conferences. I would be a hero pastor. Everybody would know my name. But if this whole church gave 10%, but didn't have hearts that worship the Lord Jesus Christ, I stand before God a failure. <laughs> and so what I'm asking of us today as we consider this subject is do our finances communicate, I worship God. Not going letter of the law, not going check, 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 because the Pharisees were so good at that. I want us to consider our love for Jesus. And if our love for Jesus is such, then it's okay to be challenged in this area. Not every, heir, not every believer in this room needs to, like this guy, sell all of their possessions and give to the poor. That's not what's being communicated. Why? Because the disciples themselves still had boats and would go fishing sometimes. But the fact is, God could ask that of us. And he knows your heart. And out of, the heart, out of your heart, if God were to ask you, sell everything and follow me, would our heart truly say yes? Jesus goes on and he says, now he looks at his disciples. Uh, Truly I say to you, uh, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, uh, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This thought that this rich man who, who check, 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 he, he, he seemed like he had it going on for them in their Jewish mindset. This man seemed like the holiest of holy people that could stand before him. Because in their mind, if you are rich, you are blessed. In, your, in their mind, if you are rich, you're holy, 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 and God is blessing you. God is rewarding you for that. And so when a rich person would stand before them, they assume that riches equal holiness. And so if this holy man isn't going to make it to heaven, Jesus, what hope do I have? And so Jesus looks at them like, no, let me, let me, let me, let me, you know, talk about this for a second. What I am, what Jesus is saying is, no, riches don't keep anybody from heaven. This isn't about give and you get to go to heaven. You don't get to write your ticket to heaven. No, this is about, when you think about riches, our world has a way of turning our minds off of Jesus. And if we don't have enough riches, we go to a place of anxiety and can God provide? Or if we have a lot of riches, we go to, look at me, I'm so good, I don't need my God. <laughs> On either side of the equation, we have this, like, riches have this unique ability to take our mind off of Jesus. Or we just don't even think about how I could worship Jesus through finances. God, you can have every other beach ball but that one. <laughs> And so Jesus is looking at this, and you know what? Yes, it seems impossible. 
for me to have the heart of somebody fixated on riches. But what he is saying is nothing is impossible because I am the God of life change. I am the God that can reach into somebody's heart and turn their fixation on all these other areas and fixate on the Lord God Almighty. The problem is not money. It's the love of money and the eagerness to compromise our spirituality so that we can have the resources to be self-sufficient. This isn't about finances. This is about all of us, that whether it's finances or our schedule or our talents, that we would look to any area of life and feel like I am self-sufficient because the gospel demands radical sacrifice in all areas to him. Jesus, Jesus never, ever, ever, I don't know if you've read the Gospels, but I'll just go ahead and tell you, Jesus' plan (laughs) to share the glory of God with all of humanity was not to say, come to me, follow me, and I will raise your standard of living (laughs) so that all the world will see Christians with the highest level of of standard of living, and that's how I'll share my glory. (laughs) You literally never even went down that road. The way that that Jesus wants to share his glory with all of humanity is that his church would be a church of radical sacrifice so that the world would know the goodness of God. I bragged on one 25-year-old, but let me tell you about two other, uh, a 25-year-old couple and another 25-year-old, and, uh, and, b- and both, all of them partners as well. Uh, the one situation, one of the conversations I, I love, and I've mentioned this to you, is I love sitting around my kitchen table and pulling out spreadsheets, because uh, spreadsheets are fun, y'all. And um, I, uh, I do love, uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, I they're wild. Uh, and uh, anyways, uh, so uh, there's this, this couple uh, that 25 or so, and they're like, hey, like, I, I need I need help thinking through finances in the future. And I was like, man, that is so great. I wish Ava and I had these conversations at 25. Uh, and, uh, and so they, we come, they come to our house. We sit around the table. We had tacos, y'all. It wasn't even Tuesday, and it was delightful. And, uh, and so there we are eating tacos, eating salsa, getting it all over our, you know, you get salsa everywhere, so whatever. And uh, so there we are, we are talking. And in that conversation, uh, just learning good practices and whatnot, and uh, this, this couple said something that, blew my mind as young people. They said, we just did our taxes, uh, because right now is a great time of year to be like, I made this, I gave this, and that will be a very telling thing for all people on humanity. Uh, And so they did that. They looked at their taxes. We made this, we gave this, and they said, you know what? We are partners, and we fell short of of holding up our, our, our commitment to this church. And, uh, and they're like, we, we, thought, we thought one, but we saw reality, and we're going to make a change, and we're, we're giving com- every single week 10% of our income, our first fruits. And it, I was like 25-year-olds, and what stood before me, at the, what sat before me at the table was two people that riches didn't have their heart. God did. <laughs> I had another partner, 25 years old, I think, I don't know, uh, but uh, email me, and we had just emailed our partners about uh, the deficit that we're facing, and praise God, it's getting a little bit better, uh, but said, you know what, uh, inflation sucks, and I was like, praise God for that, inflation's terrible, and, uh, and they're like, but you know, I'm getting a raise, and I'm like, oh, good for you, and, and, but here's the point is, she's like, I am going, I don't want to tithe my raise because inflation is terrible, but I'm going to trust God in the midst of inflation and still give that so that we can help meet that deficit. I'm going to trust God even in the midst of inflation. Another partner, a 25-year-old where, you know what? 
God has her heart. Riches don't. What I want to think about in this conversation is what you would have, what you should have, or what you could have done with any one of these areas breaks the Father's heart just as much as what you did. What you could have done with your influence, what you could have done with your family, what you could have done with all of these areas to worship the Lord your God, but you were unwilling to do, is just as hurtful and, and, and painful to the heart of God than, than outright sin. This man walked away because he was unwilling. What you and I could have done with our wealth, that is what God is going to measure and how we worship God through our finances. Our big thought for this experience is simply this. What we treasure is how he measures. He's not going to look for a checkbox because I know plenty of people that give 10%, but their heart is far from God. He's going to look at all of these areas and say, was I treasure? He'll receive that as worship. He'll receive that as faith. Jesus now goes on because Peter asks a question. Then Peter said, see, Lord, uh, we have left everything and we have followed you. What, what then will we have? Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, uh, in the new world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive what? A hundredfold! <laughs> and will inherit eternal life. But many who will be first will be last, and the last first. The disciples are looking at this whole situation and sizing it up. Jesus, we left everything. We did what the young ruler was unwilling to do. Jesus, what's in it for us? Well, let me tell you, there's a pretty good reward. One day I, King Jesus, will sit on a throne and you will sit with me ruling the, ruling the land of sorts. What a great reward. And oh, by the way, when I said to the rich young ruler, treasure in heaven, I'm saying it again. You invest, you give me all of yourself and worship me through all of these areas. And you will receive a hundredfold, eternal life. And what will that look like? It will look like here on earth that you're lacking. It will look like here on earth that you are last in all the world's metrics. But let me tell you, you're first in the kingdom of God. You will be rewarded in the kingdom. It won't look like it here. You will look like you are in poverty here but you're first in the kingdom. It's not about what you have lost. To my Christians in the room, in Christ, you have gained eternal hope. The focus is on who you have gained, not what you have lost. He called the rich young man to a much greater treasure, and he walked away. God measures what we treasure. This whole passage uh, really hit me uh, super hard uh, to, uh, this week. Uh, uh, like, I, like I said, uh, Tuesday morning was a, was a kind of a spiritual crisis for me of sorts. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, Monday, I woke up, challenged a little bit with a sermon, uh, and then went into staff meeting, 
And, uh, and we came up with like our challenge for today in the sermon uh, together, and it, we're just going to ask everybody to look at their finances and say, does it worship God? We'll get to that in a second. And so I knew that challenge, and then I, I got done work, and, uh, and over the weekend, uh, Reagan was riding her, uh, her bike, and her, she was hitting the bars, and uh, I was like, well, Reagan's like, princess needs a new bike. Uh, and so, uh, like the boys, like they different mindset. If the boys need anything, well, you work to earn it. Um, and uh, and so they they made flyers this week, uh, boys for hire. And uh, but Reagan was in need, and Daddy just needed to buy it for her. Uh, and different mindsets. And so I went to I went to Walmart and uh, got this bike. <laughs> little horn that's wildly annoying, annoying, and uh, got her this helmet, pink helmet. Ava said it had to be pink. Uh, it's a dry erase helmet, and uh, so I wrote a little note on the back, uh, Daddy loves me, don't mess with me, uh, and then when she was hanging out at the park, uh, she erased that because that embarrassed her, and uh, so with, like, on a whim, Monday afternoon, I went out and spent $138 on all of this, and uh, it hit me. I was like, man, my love for my daughter, I didn't even think twice about buying this for her. But yet inflation costs me about $150, $200 a month. And I complain about that all the time. <laughs> Perspective, right? And then uh, I woke up Tuesday morning. I read that verse and I, and I came up with something. There was something on my heart that God, you know, God was showing me as like an idol, but I wasn't like super serious about it. Like I was serious enough and it, it, conviction enough, but I was like, I just, it really did feel like there was more. Uh, and then I, I texted Ava, and because uh, I knew what the challenge was going to be, and uh, I texted her because I, I want to be a person that before I talk to you, I have the word of God speak to me. Uh, and I texted her the challenge that her and I would look at our finances and say, "Does this worship God?" But if I'm truly, truly honest, I was going through the motions. And I texted her, and I, I showed her that picture up on the screen. We do a thing called Every Dollar, that app, and it literally tracks every single dollar. And, and, I, and, and you, like the percentage is there. And, and if I'm honest again, I kind of sent it to Ava with a little bit of pride. Um, I was like, Ava, what does this communicate to you? And, and she, she went on, like, said this whole thing. Of, um, and one of the things uh, she said was it, sh it shows me uh, that we have room uh, to help other people with, like, gift cards and, and things of that nature to be more generous. And, um, and then she sent other examples. And then at the end of her text message, she said, uh, and I know, uh, which I know is important to both of us. Um, and I texted Ava back pretty quickly because that's when the conviction of the Holy Spirit wrecked me and said, Ava, that's not the both of us. <laughs> I look at that with pride, but if God asked me uh, to give a donation where there's not a tax break attached to it to benefit me, nope. If uh, that one of those things is uh, uh, savings, we're trying to save an emergency fund following that Dave Ramsey mindset. And so if, if God had asked me to take that larger portion of our budget uh, and to hold off on our savings plan and to give it to somebody in need, <laughs> I'm way too mature to tell God no. I would reason him away. <laughs> I wouldn't want to help somebody that... Um, 
is making terrible financial decisions. I would help somebody that is down and out, but trying their best, but I, I, I wouldn't help somebody buy it with buying a meal if they didn't know I was buying the meal. I used the Venmo option, the public option, instead of the private option. I sat there, and what my wife texted me was a world of conviction that I am no better than the unbeliever that only gives to cancer research when there's a golf outing attached to it or a 5K. And so what I love about Jesus is that when he is the comparable, both the prostitute, the pastor, and the young ruler have so much room for growth. And we all need Jesus. And so what I'm asking of us is, yeah, maybe, maybe you aren't on the same page with your spouse. Fine. But maybe you give up. Starbucks every week and you give Jesus $25 a week. It's just $25, but would Jesus be worshiped in that because he sees the sacrifice? Maybe you started a recurring gift maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago and you just do, you give without thinking now. Praise God of sorts for that. But you, do you give more when you get a raise or when, you, when you're looking at this or when there's a, a tax thing from the government or this, that, the other thing or when there's a gift that, man, God, I will honor you with whatever's coming through my means. Maybe you, maybe you think you give 55% of your income to the church. <laughs> and then you do your taxes and you're like, I give 3%. <laughs> maybe it's time just to get a handle on your finances so you really know where it's going and worship God in that. And so my challenge for you, my challenge for me is that we would engage with God. That's one of our values here at church, uh, uh, that we would every single day engage with the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would allow the Holy Spirit to have his way with us as we just engage our relationship with God on a daily basis. And so my challenge is not for you to give to the church. <laughs> Because you can give and if your heart's far from God, I stand before God a failure. <laughs> My challenge is that you would look at your finances and ask the Holy Spirit as you engage with him this week, do my finances communicate that I worship you? The middle schooler, the high schooler, the college student, the person that is getting food stamps from the government, the, the person that is making a ton of money, every single person, it doesn't matter your economic status. God, what you put in my hands, do I worship you with it? Socrates said the unexamined life is, is, uh, is not a life worth living. <laughs> but I think God said it better through Romans that for by grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, uh, not to think more highly of himself, but, ought to think, uh, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Measure your finances and ask, what does this communicate? And God willing, when we come into Easter Sunday, God will have done a thing with us and we are worshiping God in greater capacity in different areas of our lives. Would you guys stand with me and sing one more song?